We welcome you to another edition of Being Well Informed. My name is Claudia Barber on this wonderful afternoon. Uh, This is our podcast television uh, time where we share with you uh, trending topics. And I am pleased to have with me on board for today's program and podcast, Nancy Altman of Social Security Works. Welcome to Being Well Informed. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am uh, have actually spent almost a half century working on Social Security and Medicare. I uh, um, and and private pensions as well. These are really vital programs. So I've worked um, in the I've worked in the private sector. I've worked I've uh, was teaching at the Kennedy School of Government and the Harvard Law School at Harvard University. I've been in the legislative branch working uh, for a senator on finance committee in the as a uh, assistant to Alan Greenspan in his capacity as uh, uh, chair of the bipartisan commission that resulted in the 1983 amendments. So I've really, and I've written several books on the issue. So I've really been very immersed from all kinds of directions and sides. And now I'm old enough to be a beneficiary. So I see it from that side as well. That's that's great. And you are part of an organization, Social Security Works. What is that? That is an organization that uh, actually a colleague of mine and I founded back in 2010 um, to really educate policymakers, the media and the public about not just the importance of this program, but there's been there's really been a campaign of disinformation to try to undermine confidence in this program. And so we've uh, put together a nonpartisan organization. Our um, allegiance is to the American people. It's not to either party. And it's to both protect these vital programs and what really we need to do is expand them for us and future generations. Well, there you mentioned disinformation. What, what type of disinformation is out there, such as um, uh, is Social Security going broke? That is one of the biggest sources of disinformation or that young people are never going to see any of it. Or the young people are never going to see any of it. I, I, um, in fact, when I was young and first starting to work on the program, I was being told I was never going to see benefits because all those old people were just greedy and going to take all the money. And of course, the only thing that changed is now I'm old and it's my children and grandchildren that are being told they're not going to receive benefits. The truth is that Social Security and Medicare both, they're extremely um, responsibly financed. They are both very efficient uh, and there's no question that they will be there in the future. Congress would really have to undermine them, although there are those in Congress who would like to undermine them. That's part of the disinformation campaign is to undermine confidence that they'll be there so they can cut them in half and you'll think you're getting a you're better off when actually you'll be much worse off. So we we it's really I thank you for having this program because it's so important that people be informed. Historically wise, how did Social Security, the Social Security Act, come into existence? Well, the United States was a little bit of a latecomer in this. The there have been 
Starting at the turn of the 20th century, there were a variety of worker security movements, including workers' compensation, minimum wage, maximum hours, all kinds of things, and also old age pensions, disability insurance, life insurance. But in the depression, hidden in the um, statistics of the unemployment rates were three generations, the workers themselves, their children, but also their parents, because in that at the time Social Security was enacted, people worked as long as they could, but when they no longer could work, they generally moved in with their children. If they had children and the children were able to take care of them, and if not, they literally went to the poorhouse. So there was clearly a need, and the, there was a need before the Depression, but the Depression made it even that much more vivid. And mm. President Roosevelt, in his wisdom, wanted programs not just to get us through the Depression, but once the Depression was over, in good times and bad, programs that would sustain us. And Social Security was one of those programs. So we, we, where we are today, why, what makes the program sustainable as opposed to not sustainable and, and would leave future generations uh, with nothing? Social Security is is, you know, there, there's this Republicans and conservatives like to say, oh, the private sector does everything better. So, you know, the government's terrible. There's certain things the government does better than the private sector. And mm -hmm. Social Security is one of them. It is insurance and it's it's insurance against the loss of wages in the event of old age, disability um, or uh, death leaving dependents. And it because it is the government, it can cover everyone. It has no expenses, like it doesn't have to advertise, it doesn't pay high CEOs and so forth. It is, um, so it's a very efficient program and its benefits are quite modest. We're at the wealthiest point of our history and there's no question that not only can we afford social security, we can, ex we can afford an expanded Social Security, which is part of what Social Security Works, my organization, is, is pushing for. Social Security currently costs about 5% of gross domestic product. At the end of the century, it will cost just 6%. Now, when um, COVID hit, we spent, that's an additional 1% of GDP. When COVID hit, we spent more than 1% on all that we had to do when, when um, after 9-11, we increased military spending by well more than 1%. Those were unexpected um, expenditures. Social Security, we know is, is here. We know how many people are aging. We know all of the demographics. So there's no question, and there's absolutely no question that if we get the very wealthy to pay their fair share, as I say, we can not only pay all benefits from now, well into the future for our children and grandchildren, their children and grandchildren, um, but we can also afford to expand the program so the benefits are more adequate. So when you say expanding the program, what do you mean by that? A number of things. One is to have an across-the-board increase in benefits. Younger people are going to be more dependent on Social Security than today's retirees because of what's happened with uh, the disappearance of private pension plans. There are also targeted increases that are being proposed. 
Um, there's a minimum benefit that hasn't been increased and really no, no one even gets it anymore because um, the benefits you earn are higher. We should have a higher minimum benefit so that no one retires into poverty after a lifetime of work. Mm -hmm. Caregiver credits, there are a variety um, of other uh, um, kinds of, of benefits that um, we should have in both targeted way and in, in that um, um, and across the board as well. Four things to think about when choosing between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans on the socialsecurityworks.org website. I picked up fact sheets. So share with us these four things to think about. Well, let me give you a little bit of, of background. And that is, we, we phrased it modestly in terms of things to think about, but actually it really makes sense to, to, um, to have uh, traditional Medicare. And let me give you again, a little bit of background and then I'll talk about the, the things you should be considering and thinking about in those. The Medicare is like social security is extremely efficient, extremely important. At the time that Medicare was enacted, um, people over 65 couldn't get insurance, couldn't get health insurance. People, um, seniors and people with disabilities are the ones who on average are most in need of, of healthcare coverage, but they couldn't get it. It was either exorbitantly expensive or it wasn't even offered. Um, and what, again, this kind of health insurance is something that uh, the government can provide, but it's very hard for tradition, for private insurance companies to provide that are profit-making and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we, in 1965, um, and it was the uh, Congress enacted Medicare, and it was really supposed to be a first step towards Medicare for Medicare for all because it is such good insurance, traditional Medicare. But starting around the 1980s, there's been an insidious effort to privatize Medicare, and it's really Medicare Advantage, which is privatized Medicare, the same way that that uh, President George W. Bush proposed privatizing Social Security, which would have been a disaster. Um, the Republicans have been have been just in a very kind of quiet way been trying to privatize um, Medicare. So currently under Medicare, you can sign up for traditional Medicare, which really is, is the way to go, or you can um, opt into what is called Medicare Advantage. And you may have seen all the commercials that are Yes, with Joe Davis and others trying to coax you into it. And what we say about that is that it's a very good thing to have if you're healthy, but not so great if you're sick. And of course, what do you want health insurance for when you're not? When, when you're, you're sick. You're sick. <laughs> the Absolutely. Problem, the problem is that, and there's been a recent GAO report that shows that, you know, what, what, um, Traditional Medicare is doing is trying is paying for all your benefits without um, you needing to get advanced notification without having to jump through all kinds of hoops to be able to get the medically necessary care. Um, but unfortunately, with too many um, 
Medicare Advantage plans, the effort is to deny you coverage rather than to grant you coverage because that's how these private insurance companies make money. That's how Big Pharma makes money and so forth. So, but then because there's been a thumb on the scale, and this gets into the the um, items we talk about to consider. Part of what we're pushing for is to expand traditional Medicare because there is not currently an out-of-pocket cap. And so you really, to have real protection, you have to, if you can afford it, have something called Medigap. Um, now, a lot of Medicare Advantage programs do have, they're, they're combined, so they do have that one advantage if you can't afford um, the Medigap. But the problem is that they will do everything they can to make sure you never get close to that cap because they uh, will deny you um, the coverage that you need. You have um, the, you have limited network. You have can have all kinds of hidden costs. It can be, um, you have to jump through all kinds of hoops. It really is, as I say, insidious. Um, Traditional Medicare works well, it should work better. It should provide dental care, it should provide hearing aids, it should provide um, vision care. There are lots of efforts in Congress to do that and we're fighting for that. But you have to be careful with Medicare Advantage to not be taken in by the gym memberships or the other kinds of um, enticements that are offered. And then when you really need it, you have cancer and you need to have that life-saving care, and you are unable to get it in network. You're, you don't have the best providers. You may not uh, um, be able to get, you may have to get all kinds of jump through hoops and by then it's too late. So it really is traditional Medicare, all of us fighting together to keep traditional Medicare strong, keep social security strong, and in fact, um, really uh, work to expand both of them. Well, under the category of coverage, um, there's a mention that both traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage plans cover the same benefit package. Can you clarify that? Yes. So Medicare covers the medically necessary hospital care, physician's care, hospital care, is what you pay for through your um, through your work history when you contribute um, to the hospital insurance trust fund, and that qualifies you for hospital insurance. For medical care, you have to buy a Part B premium um, that uh, at, at age 65, and Medicare uh, that's traditional Medicare. Medicare Advantage includes both of those. In addition, there's a, a part that's very complicated, a drug program piece as well. So by law, they all have to cover all medically necessary procedures. But unfortunately, what Medicare Advantage does is find, narrowly define what's medically necessary. So that, mm. and, and in fact, this was what the um, inspector generals, there's an inspector general report um, that came out that looked at all the Medicare Advantage plans and traditional Medicare, and they found a very ridiculously large number of wrongfully denied claims where people had had a medically necessary um, procedure that they needed, and it was denied. Mm. 
that is something that some of that is bad actors, but some of it is simply that they're trying to make money. So they squeeze, they deny, and that's not, the, the federal government is not trying to make money. It's not a profit-making organization. There really shouldn't be profit within our healthcare system at all, I think, but we do have that with private health insurance. And, but we shouldn't be introducing that the one place we do have government-sponsored health insurance, and that's traditional Medicare. Well, you know, another important point is that um, there seems to be oversight there for the inspector general to pick up on that. But hopefully that, you know, that person that uh, was denied a benefit that they should have received, we're hoping that they don't have to spend mountains of legal fees to try to correct that. Or, or not realize they can correct it, or by the right, time, or right. by the time they correct it, God forbid they're no longer with us. Right, exactly right. This, this is really not that. That is the problem with uh, the for profit, and that's right. And the other thing is that everything that is done through traditional Medicare and through Social Security, it's the government. We all pay for it. It's it's. Um, transparent. We can go online, you can read the trustees reports and so forth. That's not true with Medicare Advantage. Those are the insurance companies consider a lot of that data proprietary. They won't release it or the government um, demands it and they'll release it to the government, but then the government doesn't release it. That's part of the problem. Exactly. You're right that we hope the government is policing it. And, but we, it's better if, again, that it's um, open, transparent, we can all see what's going on and we can work accordingly. So again, as I say, the, it's, it's not a popular thing to say these days, but there are certain kinds of things the government does better than the private sector. And offering broad-based insurance where we're all in it together, where we pull our risks and we receive the benefits are the way to go. We do not want to go with you know, this, we want career civil service operating these programs, not high-paid CEOs that are looking to line their pockets. Now, the other provision or uh, factor is access, uh, because traditional Medicare covers all medically necessary care without a referral or prior authorization. That's correct. And that it's for just about all doctors you can go to. You don't have to worry about being in network or out of network and if you're traveling or something happens to you, that's not true with Medicare Advantage. You do need prior authorization. There's a network, there are only certain doctors that you can go to. And if it's not your doctor, then you're you're out of luck. Or if your doctor was in network when you started, but then now is out of network, and mm -hmm. you're the one that has to either you're you're really in trouble at that point and you're gonna have to have to switch positions. So access is a huge concern that people should focus on. You know, the, the problem with Medicare Advantage is, as I say, you see lots of commercials on television and lots of advertising. Lots. And they, and they try to entice you. Oh, you can get gym membership or you get this other special benefit. And that all sounds great until you really need it. And then that's when um, push comes to shove. And um, I have a colleague who, um, you know, is very knowledgeable uh, reporter and um, fortunately had traditional Medicare. 
And she has told me she became very, very ill. She almost died. She has recovered, thank goodness. But she told me that if she had Medicare Advantage, she's confident she would not be alive today. So oh, wow. it really is a life and death matter. And the problem is you don't know it until you're confronting that life or death situation. Incentives under Medicare, traditional Medicare versus Medicare Advantage. How does that uh, uh, boil down to helping us uh, understand the differences? Well, again, the incentive for um, tra for traditional Medicare is is what its mission is is to provide all necessary care, and that's why there are no um, need for the prior authorization. Why everyone's in. You, you don't have to worry about which doctors are network and so forth. The incentives for um, the private um, insurance is to get the healthiest people possible. You don't see advertisements of, oh, gee, if, you're, if you've got a lot of cancer in your family, come take our policy because we'll make sure that we have the best cancer treatment in the country. That's not what they're saying. They're saying things like gym membership and things that if you're that appeal to people who are are healthy, the um, the incentives unfortunately are profit. They've got shareholders um, who are concerned, and so they want to get as many healthy people as are in. And if those healthy people become unhealthy, to try to find ways to deny the care. And that again is not what you've got in the public sector, which is why. Those public sector programs, they they're so they work so well because they're they they are um, everyone is we're all pulling our risks. So when we're healthy, we're it's like everything else. We're we're um, working all working together for the benefit of all of us. Now there's uh, also the concern over cost. Traditional Medicare, Medicare Advantage, which. Well, and that is the one place where Medicare Advantage has the upper hand. And part of it is because Congress has been, um, again, putting a thumb on the scale and really subsidizing um, the um, um, uh, Medicare Advantage. Now, again, and this goes back to the incentives, traditional Medicare will reimburse whatever the cost um, is. And, 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 but with Medicare Advantage, the, the insurance companies, government provides the insurance companies with a per capita amount, the amount per person. So if you spend less than that, you get the pocket. If you spend more than it, um, you have to pay more. But because of that, they're able to impose an out-of-pocket cost, which you generally are in Medicare Advantage. And unfortunately, you're not in traditional Medicare. We have been fighting to try to get that in traditional Medicare, thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, we now have an out-of-pocket cap for for pharmaceutical drugs, and that's mm -hmm. good. But we need it for um, all costs, and it, I do think that that's something. Unfortunately, the only uh, answer now is to get a Medicare um, called a Medigap plan that fills in the gaps of traditional Medicare. Um, so that is the one advantage to Medicare Advantage. But on the other hand, if they're not paying your costs, then it's a, it's, it's illusory. 
because you may have to go at a network and provide all pay all kinds of costs on your own anyway. So anyway, you think of it, I mean, the really the bottom line here is that the we are the wealthiest nation in the world at the wealthiest moment in our history. We spend more, much more than any other country in the world on healthcare, um, providing healthcare, but our outcomes are worse. We have higher infant mortality, we have lower life expectancies and so forth. And the real answer is Medicare for all, traditional Medicare for all. But unfortunately we now have this hybrid system and uh, there are efforts to privatize Medicare. We will all be worse off if that happens. But I can see why people do go for Medicare Advantage because it's not simply the allure of the bells and whistles but that overall overall cap, which is a very serious problem with traditional Medicare, and it's one that we're fighting to correct and hope we will be able to correct it soon. How does that get corrected? Unfortunately, it takes legislation. And for that, we need to elect people who are dedicated to this program. And as I said at the beginning, I'm not partisan. My allegiance is to uh, the American public and basic economic security. But I say, although it's going to sound partisan, the answer is to vote for Democrats and then to vote for Democrats who will get rid of the filibuster and will vote to expand and are beholden not to the drug companies, not to the pharmaceuticals, the health insurance industry, but to will we'll fight for the American people. And that's um, that, unfortunately, is the answer, is to get the right people in place who are really working for us, the American people. Because I always like to say, they work for us. We don't work for them. And we should fire some of the ones who are in there, the Republicans who are in there, and we should install um, a num- progressive Democrats to get the job done. There's also mention in your fact sheets Congress must protect people in Medicare Advantage plans from the bad actors. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the what we'd really like to do is see Medicare Advantage gone, but it is very popular and it does have the advantage we talked about of having the overall cap. So at the very least, we talked about that IG report where there were all these claims that should have been um, granted, but were denied. And then on very, there's only about 1% and even no to appeal. And those that appealed, it's like 90%, it was reversed. So it was clearly a a wrong decision. And it was um, so that they, we really need transparency. We need the data to see what's going on. We need it policed. If there are bad actors, they should be thrown and we know they, they should be thrown out of uh, Medicare Advantage and not allowed to participate in the program. It, but it all begins, and at, that would be an improvement um, unless we find that they're all bad actors and then we're really in trouble. But at, the, at least at a starting point, we should all be able to agree that um, we should get rid of this prior authorization. We should 
really make sure that anyone who's denying claims is um, not permitted to participate. And that as a first step that, that there's data about how many claims are denied, on what basis, are they reversed and so forth. So we can all look at that and make informed decisions. Wow, that's that's a lot. You said so much. And uh, there's so much to really cover because there, uh, in your fact sheet, you identify uh, uh, which are the bad Medicare Advantage actors. And the Office of Inspector General recommendation, uh, CMS should protect people with Medicare and provide them with clear, easily accessible information about serious Medicare Advantage violations. Your uh, yeah, thoughts on that? There, there is a lot in that. Although the really, the really, the answer is to have government policing all of this because all of this is so complicated. It, yes. It's complicated for the experts. It's not, you know, no one should feel bad if they throw up their hands, they look at all these various different kinds of plans and try to decide which one is best for them. Because it really, what we really need, and this is this is the long-term goal. In the short term, we have to police the bad actors and get them out of um, Medicare Advantage. That's something I don't think there should be any disagreement about. Everyone should agree to that. But in the long run, what we really need is what most of the other industrialized countries have, which is a universal government-sponsored um, health system where whether we're thinking about the model of the VA or we're thinking about the model of Medicare, where all of us are together, we're pulled, we have, as part of that, we should have um, medical ed education that's free, that we don't have doctors coming out with this enormous amount of debt. Um, we should, in fact, we should be canceling student loan, we should prioritize education and we should prioritize healthcare for all um at, 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 at guaranteed if you need it you get it and all of us together um finance it particularly those who are wealthiest the funds are well but we all finance it for all of us as i say we we pull our our risks and our responsibilities Oh, Nancy Altman, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing so much information about Social Security and Medicare Advantage. We definitely want to invite you back again. Thank you so much for uh, an informative discussion. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back anytime.